Hello everyone, I am Harry Foku and I connect businesses in the gaming industry with freelance tech solutions and I'm your host. Welcome everyone to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. Today I'm joined by Matea Zizak, Therese Nas, Alexander Grozdanovic and Aisha Katun-Lisa to discuss what makes great HR in the gaming industry. Before we begin, let's start with some introductions. Matea, do you want to kick us off? Yes, absolutely. So... As mentioned, my name is Matea, and I'm very happy uh, to be part of this episode with all of you. Uh, So I joined the startup scene early in my HR career and then shifted to the gaming industry in 2016. Previously, I worked at the Avalanche Studios Group, and now I'm the HR manager at Chief Rebel since 2020, working very broad with different HR questions, but mostly with company culture. Thank you. Great. Lovely. Teresa, how about you? Yes. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Therese, as I said. I'm Head of Human Resources and Recruitment at Kind of Brave. Uh, I have been working with HR for the last 12 years. I've been managing HR for about five years now. Uh, But it's only this year that I've started in the gaming industry. So this is very interesting. I'm happy uh, to be able to have a chat with you guys about this. So uh, I've been in a variety of companies before. Uh, Plumbing state companies, armed forces. Yeah, so I have a width of uh, experience. Thank you. Nice. I like it. Awesome. A lot of breadth of experience. Uh, How about uh, Alexandra? Intro. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Yeah, my name is Alexandra, but everyone calls me Alex. So that's uh, easier for everyone, I guess. Uh, And I'm a talent acquisition specialist at FedShark. And I've been here for, um, for a year now. Uh, since I arrived in Sweden, that's when I started working here. But before that, uh, I was working in different uh, agencies, so more uh, outsource HR stuff, not really in-house. And then I started internal uh, and in-house HR like two years ago. Uh, I was working with different IT companies, different gaming companies. I have bachelor's in psychology. So I guess that also gives me a different perspective and maybe uh, some insight into how my colleagues feel and and act. So, uh, yeah. That's about it, I guess. Lovely. And finally, Aisha. Yes. Hello. Thanks, Harry, for inviting me today. And I'm super glad to be a part of this podcast. I am Aisha, and I am the talent acquisition specialist at Star Stable Entertainment. Well, this is my first, like, a newly experienced entered in gaming industry. Earlier to that, I used to work in retail mostly and first few consumer brands. But I'm in love with the gaming industry now. And I, yeah, I love people and I love recruitment, of course. So that's my passion to find the right talent. So that's what I'm doing in Star Stable. So my mission is to, like, find the right talent to fulfill our goal here at Star Stable and make this game sustainable one for another DK. Awesome. All righty. Let's start with questions. Matea, what is your question and the context behind it? Yes. So uh, my question is, how do you create a healthy work-life balance at the workplace? So obviously, uh, we work with uh, very passionate people. It's a very creative industry. Um, and some developers tend to give all that they have uh, at work. Uh, and at least from my own experience, it's not that easy. You can just tell people to go home and not think about work. <laughs> so I'm curious to hear what are your experience? How have you handled to create a healthy work-life balance at your workplaces? Awesome. I would like to start with Alex. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So uh, some of my thoughts um, are surrounding this subject 
is um, I guess I mean we all know this, but sometimes it's and it's common sense. But uh, setting clear expectations and talking to people just so they know what's expected of them and uh, trying to under trying to for them to understand if overtime is expected or not. Like I think that all companies should actually encourage people to stick to um, work hours and then to um, of course have um, more um, yeah and have more I guess activities in their private life as well and try to balance things out. But as Matthias said, it's easier said than done. So it is super it is super difficult and and tricky. So what we usually do is uh, we have this. Thing called flex time. So for every hour that you work over time, you can actually use that hour to work less anytime you want, or maybe even gather eight hours uh, so that you can uh, take a full day off. So that's outside of your vacation time. And of course, we still don't encourage people to use them and then to work over time just so they can pile up hours and um, and uh, then uh, work less sometimes else. It's more like so people can uh, plan around their activities, maybe gather kids from a kitten garden or do something else. So they actually can do that. Apart from that, some things that we also do is like we are flexible with remote work if they feel like, yeah, I'm actually working better at home. Of course, they can stay at home, especially if they have a really valid reason for it. So we have measures like that. Uh, but then again, I need to admit that with some people, it's difficult. I believe it's also part of someone's personality. We have some people who are super hardworking and they really want to uh, do the best they can. So usually uh, those people, uh, and and especially if the situation is like that, that they are maybe feeling lonely or maybe they don't have family, they're experts and living here. Those people are usually prone more to work over time. So I try to speak one-on-one -on -one with them to see how can I help them? Can they maybe replace that with some other activities and do something else and not work over time? So it's very tricky and up to each and every individual, I guess, at the end of the day. But yeah. Awesome. Therese. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Alex, because it's it is really it's a hard question to answer because we want people to be engaged and passionate about what they do. That's the great thing about loads of these jobs that people are so passionate about it. So it's really hard to say, oh, you're too passionate or you work too much because for them, maybe it's just their interest as well. If they wouldn't work here, maybe they would do it anyway, but on their spare time. Uh, but what we try to do is kind of a mixture between trying as you do as well Alex uh, availability to work from home trying flexible work hours to make sure that it works and have a healthy work-life balance even if you have kids or if you work in a different time zone uh, but trying to adapt it to the individual to let people decide what works for them more than sometimes it becomes the manager's uh, way that's the right way. And then maybe that doesn't work for the people that works for them. So then it's not a healthy work-life balance for anyone in the team. It's more of a healthy work-life balance for the manager. So I think it's important to use that individual aspect and actually uh, individualized leadership, seeing the individuals and their different needs and aspirations as not trying to fit them into the same shape and size as everyone else. It's of course, really hard and it takes a lot of time for each manager. But I think as far as it's possible, it usually makes the team more efficient and the people in there have a work, better work-life balance. I like it. Awesome. Aisha, 
What are your thoughts? Yes, so my feeling is mutual as all of you that it's a really tricky question, of course, like work-life balance. And when I heard about this question, the first thing is like food for thought, hmm, of course. And this is like a trending topic now. Okay, remote work versus full site or on-site or fully remote and hybrid. So that's like, a, I would say, an argument has become an argument now at workplaces and management is like, okay, what should we do here? Because uh, this pandemic and this situation has made is like totally a shift in the work, you know, the strategy or how people used to work earlier two years back and how they are more become comfortable with working from home. Whereas, like Tracy said, that we, of course, want people engagement. And like Alexander, Alex said that also that it really depends upon personality. Somebody prefers to work from home and somebody wants to, like, come into the office. So then we need to make a balance here, of course. So what we are doing here at Sarsible is we are, of course, offering the hybrid model. So that's what we are following. We think that that's the best probable solution because we actually want at least some kind of interaction because it's really important that you create the bond and then you come to the office and you create those engagement, even though you were working remotely. But I would say that it also depends upon how your team is formed and how is your connection with your manager or with the whole team or how you prefer to work, for example. So for instance, you can work from home fully, but if there is an urgent meeting or is there a team setup where you need to be present, it's kind of a mutual respect from both ends. So yes, the company is following your uh, comfort zone as well. And also like we are respect, employee needs to respect the management or the business as well. So I feel like that uh, three things we really need to do or what we are practicing here is the first thing is denormalize long time working hours. So that's the first and foremost thing, because some people think that, like, for instance, there are a tendency of some employees, like, okay, if I work for a longer period of time, that shows a more, I am more passionate towards my work, or, you know, I'm working more, but it's nothing like that, because it's more depending on how you are delivering your work. So it doesn't matter, like, how many hours you were working. So that's why, like Alex mentioned about flex hours. So we do have that one as well. So we we don't have actually a particular flexible hour because uh, we also feel like that is kind of showing a thing that you do trust your employees, which is really, really important. So rather bounding them to a time frame, it's really important that you give them the freedom to work by themselves. It's just needs to, the work needs to be done. So that's the thing. And also, so here we need to denormalize working for longer hour and uh, yeah. So I think that's the way we can work, like make the balance. Awesome. I would like to bring that back to uh, Matea. How, how have you uh, found your answer to this question? Yeah. So this is really great uh, takeaways. So thank you so much for sharing. Really interesting to hear. And yeah, I can only echo that. We uh, at Chief Rebel also try to think about each individual and be flexible and try to uh, help each individual to set up their own uh, work-life uh, balance and to be healthy about that. Um, I can share a little bit about how we've done as well. Uh, I've been reading some surveys and some studies that most employees tend to mostly prefer uh, time and personal development as a benefit more than 
maybe a higher salary. So something that we've been doing is we've been incorporating something that we call free days, which is a day that you can be off. It's not a sick day. It's not a vacation day. Um, uh, and you can do whatever you want that day. If you want to be on the couch, eat ice cream, watch Seinfeld all day or go uh, take a walk in the forest, that's OK. So that's a day that you can use to like recharge your creative battery, uh, so to say. So that's something that we've been doing uh, that I feel like has been helpful uh, for our employees that they can use and kind of manage their own time in that way. Yeah, but really great, uh, great thoughts from you as well. So I'll take that with me. I've got some question, guys, uh, kind of logistics. Uh, I don't know. So with the flex time, uh, anyone can kind of text this, but let's say, is that completely trust-based? Are you checking the records on like a VPN or something to see when they log in or log out? Are you looking at Slack messages? Like, can someone abuse that? How does that work? Uh, anyone, if anyone wants to take that. Yeah, like, uh, Alex. Yeah. So how we work is, um, yes, we are tracking our time, but not really like in a minute or anything. It's more like, okay, this day, someone's been working around maybe 10 hours or something. So after a month, at the end of the month, you know how many hours they've been working over time for the full month. And of course, if they get around some number for example if they pass 20 hours of working overtime for some period then we talk to them we we ask them okay uh, is maybe this project mismanaged uh, are you planning well is something happening do you feel well, well or unwell or something so we really need to understand why they're working so much and if their answer is okay but i just felt like i wanted to work more or maybe i wanted to as i mentioned sub sum up some hours so i can use those hours for flex days how we call them it's basically similar to what Matea said about recharging the batteries free day. So it's the same. You also have a free day. So uh, maybe they want to have free days. Uh, for example, this week, my friends were here from, from Serbia, where I'm originally from. So I was also working like that. Like I was flexing out. So I was working like for one day I was working. Then the next day I wasn't working because I had some overtime uh, hours that I could use. So that's basically how we do it. And of course, we trust our employees. And uh, how I see this, even if there are, there probably are someone, there, there probably is someone who is maybe thinking of abusing it or maybe want to do that. But I would always argue that having something like this is more important and should stay for everyone. So this is something that is really a good thing and an advantage for the whole company. And for now, we haven't really had any cases where someone was abusing it. So I, I feel super confident in our people. So yeah, I like that it. explains I, it. Yeah, it does. And I feel like when it's so normal that you're trusted as an employee that has its own set of benefits. So like even if you could kind of track it, you wouldn't want to really because that kind of alienates so many people. And I like it. Awesome. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, so let's move on to Alex, actually. Uh, what is your question and the context behind it? Again, me. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, my question was, um, how do you have a difficult conversation with a colleague? So with an employee, we, with anyone from your company. So how do you handle some difficult situations? And um, what is, for example, one of the examples, maybe one of the examples could be either someone wants to quit or maybe some sensitive kind of situation rose up with some sensitive topic. So how do you usually cover it? How do you try to solve it? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in that. So. Yeah. Lovely. I'll let Therese kind of kick us off on that one. 
What are your thoughts? Great, thanks. Uh, I think it's a really interesting question and it's so hard. And I think lots of managers have a really hard time with this. And the problem that I see from the HR point of view is that you usually, it's so hard that you leave it too late and then it becomes such a big thing and maybe you're emotionally involved as well. And then it makes it even harder. So the things that I usually try and talk about um, or try and be and do is I always try and be well prepared, of course, uh, as everyone. Uh, but first, I try to put myself in their shoes to see if I can understand the underlying issue or the reason if they're acting difficult or if it's a problem, why, what's in it for them. Because then sometimes you can think of a good outcome for the conversation, like what if if I think that this is the reason why they're doing it, maybe they have stressful things at home. Maybe that's why they're being mean to someone. Okay, so how can we then try and find the way that they feel happy, like it's a win-win situation when we come out of the room? Can we offer them something that makes them happier and as such the problem might go away? Or it might be a reason for them to try harder to be nicer if that's the problem. Uh, and I also think that it, trying to think of the worst uh, worst case scenario as well to see it, to be prepared for several outcomes because sometimes you wish that it would be somehow uh, but then in the end it's like the worst case scenario but then if you're prepared it's easier to make it a reasonably good conversation anyway uh, and I think the third thing is that I try to leave my emotions out of the room as so that they don't cloud my judgment and I think that's important as well if I bring a manager in or a colleague that we really try and leave the emotions outside because it's never it never helps it's it's always it always makes it a problem it's not always possible but if it does work it's so much easier uh, and also something that I usually tell the managers is that it, of course do it uh, as soon as you notice a problem but if you feel like it's hard make sure you have support either if it's possible in the room or before the meeting maybe talk to someone that you trust that you feel like you can talk to about what's the worst case scenario what's the best case how am I supposed to be not emotionally involved in this conversation how, what is the best outcome that we can have though so, yeah that's the way I think about it I like it I didn't I, when I was thinking about the answer to that question I wouldn't I wasn't thinking planning. And now that you said that, why wasn't I thinking planning? Because it just is such a crucial part, I think, especially when it's like a, it's a colleague and it's a difficult conversation. Uh, awesome. I'll take that to uh, Matea. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I think it's really important, as Therese said, also to to take it very early. Uh, I've seen things that really can uh, blow up and they tend to get bigger uh, the more time it goes. So I think that's very important. And then my experience have also taught me that it is really important to be very honest and very transparent. So these situations tend to be very sensitive and very delicate. So of course we need to also be sensitive when we're having these conversations, but being very honest and not leaving so much open for interpretation or maybe leaving things um, so that someone else can read between the lines, so to speak be more, uh, 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 yeah, uh, be on point, so to speak. And so that's what I've learned that has been very important for these uh, conversations, because if it is a sensitive uh, discussion, that person tend to 
think a lot about this and maybe, I don't know, it's very common to overanalyze as well. Uh, so uh, being honest, honest and transparent. Great. Let's move on to Aisha. What are your thoughts? Yes. So I do agree with Rossi regarding the point of emotion and with Mattia for being honest, of course. But I do think this question to be connected with personality here as well, because uh, we do have introvert and extrovert team members in our team. So and uh, not likely the introvert person will come to you and discuss about all the problems or, you know, drive a conversation which is difficult actually so thereby we have like at star stable one of our core values actually see the world through her eyes so it means that you need to see everyone's perspective and you need to feel that from their shoe so it's like it is also connected with giving feedback and taking feedback so it's like vice versa so in that case i would say it's really really important to be transparent of course and uh, in terms of for, for instance if a colleague wants to be open in front of you then what is the first thing you need to do you need to build that trust within each of yourself because if you are you don't have the trust then the person will not be open up with you and also i believe that it goes with the manager as well because we I, I i believe that everybody has this one-to-one sync with their team members and the managers so i would say that if you develop that connection with your manager and of course the closest colleague only then you will be able to run a difficult conversation which is really important and uh, uh, we also have this practice here that we run different kind of workshops at Star Stable that is connected with how you can give a feedback or how you can accept negative feedback as well because you know it is always easy to say positive things and giving appreciation but whenever it's time for a negative feedback or you know to say them to improve something, then it needs to be polite and your donations should be kind as well. So yeah, those are the things needs to be delivered to deal with this situation, I believe. Nice. Some great takeaways there. Uh, I'm going to take that back to Alex. Uh, have you? What's your experience been? Yeah. So what you all mentioned, uh, I made a big bullet point list. Okay. <laughs> so um, uh, it, it's really good. Uh, like, like you, yeah, I really like your thoughts. So I wrote all of them down. <laughs> so thank you for sharing. Uh, but yeah, basically what I've been doing until now, and of course my team together with me as well, it's we've been using different strategies, like you mentioned, of course, like preparing well. Yes, that's, that's a given. You really need to do that, especially when it's tricky and sad. Like you cannot really go into it without knowing anything. Um, I I do agree about honesty, transparency, transparency that that's really super important for us as well. So we've been basically doing most of the things that all of you mentioned, but still some things that you mentioned and, and some words and and some ideas really stuck to me like, like, like it's like you solved some of my problems i don't know how i just felt like relaxed and like relieved like oh my god they have similar problems and now we're thinking the same that's super cool so thank you for sharing and yeah just don't so i don't repeat myself it's basically pretty pretty similar to all the things that you are already doing and implementing so yeah yeah i was just thinking am i skipping something so yeah <laughs> No, I like it. I have a bit of a situational question, guys. Um, so let's say someone's away from the office, working from home, but you need to have a difficult conversation. Do you wait until they're back in the office in like a week or two? Or 
are we valuing kind of keeping having the conversation as quickly as possible and not letting it kind of fester uh has anyone had this before or has anyone, has anyone thought about this i'm going to single someone out what do you think Therese? i think uh, it depends a lot on the situation of course uh, because uh, some things they don't get worse just because uh, you leave it for a week but in case it does i would definitely take the meeting uh, straight away even though i think it's much better to do it face to face but it's not always possible but some things because as an employee or thinking anyone uh, could just think if something happened two weeks ago and no one told me and my manager comes two weeks later and tells me, oh, the thing that you did then two weeks ago, that was really bad. No one wants to hear that. So generally, I would say it's always better to do it straight up. No, no. Yeah, I agree. It sounds good. I mean, I'm thinking uh, the way kind of we have difficult conversations here at Evolution. Uh, we kind of stole uh, the kind of scrum way of doing things. So we have standups, we have retros. And we try to have a culture of like honesty. So when we're talking about the things you did yesterday and your plans for the day, uh, everyone's quite clear. And if something didn't go well, we can tackle that on a daily and weekly basis. So I feel like that helps having those kind of touch points because there's nothing to kind of fester in a sense. Like if you did really badly on a certain day, it's spoken about and dealt with literally the next day, almost a guarantee. And I'm not sure if that happens kind of in the gaming industry, but I feel like if you have those kind of in the diary guaranteed you're going to talk about it uh, i feel like it allows that to kind of not fester awesome i'll move on to the next question guys uh so let's change a bit of direction slightly it's kind of linked but it is Teresa's question so what is your question and the context behind it yeah so my question uh, is uh, how to support employees going through stress and mental fatigue and the reason behind it is i think that to have to be great in the gaming industry, I think it's important to tackle these questions, both stress and mental fatigue. And I think it's kind of connected to the previous question. If you work too much, even if you love it, you can still get stressed, you can still get fatigued. So I think it's so important to have that balance. And I can also see being new in the business, I can, st- I can see already certain people being so involved, so emotionally involved in this, the work that they do, that it turns into a stress anyway. And I don't think anyone is able to do their best work when they don't feel great, when they are stressed. So my question to you guys is, how do you think, how do you work with that? And, you know, before game releases, how do you work with crunch time? Do you have, do you work with these issues and how do you prevent people from getting stressed? Great. Let's let Alex kick us off on this one. What are your thoughts, Alex? Yeah. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, gaming industry is, uh, I guess, infamous or um, for for crunch periods and, and crunch time. But we try, I would say, at least at our company, we avoid it. We try to avoid it as much as possible. Like over time is really like we are not encouraging it at all. Uh, of course, sometimes we especially when with the release coming, like we have this situation now, um, we will tell people, okay, we would really like if people can maybe dedicate more time to it. But if you don't, no one will look bad at you. No one will think less of you. Like you don't really need to do that. Just try to do the best you can. It's better to be productive and and work eight hours a day than to you know stay until midnight but you're not putting in any anything at all basically some some things that we already mentioned uh, previously for the previous question but what i can add here is that we also have 
like we have, if people want to work less, maybe they want to work seven hours uh, a day per, per week, or maybe they want to work four days per week instead of five, we will approve it. So if they want to go to 60% of work or 80% uh, of work, that's what we do if they are exhausted. Or maybe before they even come to exhaustion, we can also, we, we are having like uh, paid sessions with psychologists. We are talking to them all the time, constantly catching up with them, trying to see where they are are at at the moment and something that we are um, trying out now before we were sending some google forms and service to, to see how they are feeling what's what's happening the level of stress engagement and everything but now we're trying out this new service called and frankly to see like it's like a pulse thing like every week or every second week you can basically decide when you want to to send it so we are trying to see if we with that information we can maybe do more maybe we can notice more and ahead of time and see what we can do before anything happens because that's what I believe this is a key thing is that people don't realize they're in a burnout until it's too late like they're already in a burnout and already is happening and how you can see this they are usually unmotivated about their work they maybe don't feel happy about going to work maybe they get up in the morning and they're like oh no here we go again even though they're usually very passionate about it so before all of that happens, we try to follow up. We try to see, I try to talk to different managers. We do have very caring office team that usually talks to all people each morning. So they usually know what's going on and they, they can sometimes give me some feedback. So that's usually how we do. And of course, creating, I guess at the end of the day, creating the culture where people feel free and comfortable to share their worries, share their concerns. We have like, for example, Slack channel called Fetcher Distrust, where people are writing about these kind of things like, oh guys, I cannot really stop I don't know, checking my Slack even after work, what do I do? And then people give advices and we go through it and, and talk about it. So yeah, things like those. Nice. A lot of different tools there. And it sounds like you have a proper kind of game plan. It's not an afterthought, that's for sure, at Chief Rebel. It's very kind of key part. That sounds really cool. Um, I want to move on to Aisha. Aisha, what are your thoughts? Yes. So this question is a really interesting one and an important one, of course. So, so at Starsible, we really, really, really focus on the psychological safety and the mental health of the employees, because that's the thing we always believe that if our employees are happy, then only then you can make better games, of course. So with a stressful mind, you will always create bugs. So we don't want that. So, yeah. And for this stress management, I would say that we have this thing, we celebrate our failures. Yes, we do. So you can like, it's not like that you will always succeed with your all plans, even though if it's, if we talk about the release itself, it can go wrong as well. So it really doesn't matter. It, the ma only thing is that you can improve always and the comfort zone of sharing your uh, mental situation or whatever is ongoing in your head. So with that said, we have the we run several psychological safety workshops here together with a facilitator from external side as well. So we do check in with those things. And um, one of the good thing with us is we do have our 
support with consultancy as well. So we have our psychologist here. So if you are going through a personal stress or maybe some problems within your personal life, not like only professional, it has to be only professional, not like that. So if you have any personal issues and also like from financial problem to everything, we have our psychologist there and then you can just, and it's a 24 seven service, 365 days, you're around the clock. So you can just dial in everybody has access to that one all our employees so and of course we do respect and confidentiality of course so people will not think the back of their mind oh if i discuss my this things this will burn out no nothing like that so we confirm that one as well so that everybody can share their feelings because that Another thing I would say, we really, really focus on pay attention to your emotion. So that is really important. And that's why we always set up the one-to-one. I, I still feel like that. This is really important that you do regular check-in this one-to-one session at least weekly with your manager, then you know they you can check the temperature and the sentiment, and then you understand how things are ongoing. And of course, the standards and everything, but I would say those are like more professional stuff, like standards and all those things. But one-to-one works really better. So yeah, I think this kind of support will definitely give a gift to the employees that okay, they have some sort of setup from the employer for their well-being. I like it. And I like the fact that if they want, there's an outlet that is completely confidential because I can imagine for some uh, employees, like, do I really want to talk to my manager about the fact that I'm stressing mental fatigue? Are they going to look at me different from now on? So the fact that they have an outlet that's outside the company, it sounds really cool. Uh, Lovely. I want to go to Matea now. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think this question is really like a company culture question. Uh, I think that if we set healthy company culture we can help some of these questions so first my thought is like managers and leaders here are a very good um, help uh, that if they set an example of going home early or taking a day off if you're feeling a stress fatigue for example uh, that the other ones in the organization will also see that as well so i think uh, they are very important in this And then we have a different tool because at Chief Rebel, we work with a model called the five dysfunctions of a team, where we focus on collaboration and the product uh, that we're working on. So essentially the game. Um, And through that, we have something that we call weekly culture meetings, where we are in teams where three or four people and what we basically cover is questions or if something has happened during the week that can be positive, but can also be negative. So kind of what you mentioned, Harry, with the standups that you have like a, this forum uh, that we can bring up things. And I've noticed uh, a lot of situations where some employees might detect during those meetings, like, wow, I wasn't super excited to go to work yesterday. I wonder why. And then you can kind of dig into why is that? Yeah, because maybe we had that conflict last week and it's still nagging on me. So that's something that we can work on and um, attack on the roots before it grows bigger. Um, Yeah. And then I've also had monthly check-ins with all employees. So uh, like one-on-ones with everyone to make sure that everyone are feeling, is feeling healthy. The managers had similar uh, check-ins as well. So I feel like those tools uh, at Chief Rebel are uh, helping a lot to to bring them early on. Awesome. I like it. 
Uh, Therese, I feel like with your background, because you've done it in a few different industries and now gaming, um, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for all that those ideas and telling us all those good things that you do. It's really good input. And since we launched Kind of Brave in March, all my input that I have are, as you say, uh, Harry, they're from other parts. But I think it works the same. Everyone's human and we get stressed. Uh, everyone gets stressed about different things, but everyone gets stressed uh, one way or another. But the thing that we do now is we try, we're working on being sustainable for people, players and planet. So it's such an important question for us and it's really brought this to top of mind for me. And that's why I used, I took the time to ask this question as well. So these are great ideas for me to bring and use as well, and really practical things as well. Because what we've been doing now since March, not that long, but we're trying to help handle all these cases of stress on a personal level during the one-to-ones that we have. But it's hard because as you said, Aisha, regarding another question, not everyone tells us how they feel. And that's so good that you have different ways of making sure that people feel open that they can share this information and that they have someone to talk to and how do we do that uh, and another thing that's important for us is to be a safe and diverse workplace just to make sure that there is no extra stress regarding that and making sure that uh, minority stress is not an issue that's underlying that's kind of ruining other things that you try and do so things like that we've been talking about and doing and starting up with but now I have so many great new things as well. So thank you so much for that, guys. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, I was curious. I just heard uh, that, you know, stand-ups are kind of mostly professional because uh, obviously I only know what I've experienced. Uh, at least the first question on our stand-ups uh, is kind of how you're feeling. Uh, and I wonder, I don't know if that's possible depending on how big your stand-up is. I mean, we have a kind of company like Nordic's team stand-up and then we have like a gaming stand-up and on the gaming stand-up we kind of get into the detail so I'm wondering if that's something uh, that you guys uh, either have tried or you know might be something to think about just a nice way it doesn't have to be that dramatic you know kind of how are you feeling oh I'm very tired and uh, it's just good because it makes everyone aware and then you can kind of support each other uh, based on that you know go for a walk uh, uh, if everyone's in the office or uh, at least we do fikas if someone's working from home, just so it's a bit of a sink, just, especially if someone's not feeling too well. Uh, that's what kind of helps us at least uh, here at Evolution. Nice. Uh, if no one has any questions on kind of that topic, I think we can move on to Aisha's question. Aisha, what is your question and the context behind it? Yes. So the question is, how do you collaborate with your stakeholders? to find the right talent for your company. So the context behind this question is like, we are now till now, we talked about work-life balance and the employee well-being, mental health. And of course, recruitment is one of the integral part of HR. So why not talk about this one then? How do you manage recruitment or hire the best talent for your team? So that's why I came up with this uh, question, of course, because I feel like that selecting the right employees is an important goal for the recruitment team and getting the process right can be improved with the experience of the candidate, the interviewer, the hiring manager, and the whole HR department. And of course, it can also help increase the efficiency of your company. So that's why I feel like that it's really important for the HR professionals to make sure that they have a right recruitment process. Uh, with that, they can select the right people and attracting the best workforce for the organization. So with that said, what we are doing at Star Stable is 
every now and then we are collaborating with our stakeholders and what does the stakeholder mean is like the interviewer the hiring manager the internal employees and of course the candidate so these is these are falls under the stakeholder terms i would say so what we do here is we every now and then collaborate with our uh, hiring manager because we feel like that they know the most what are their expectations and if the expectation is set right and of course crystal clear only then we can publish the ad in a proper way and we can attract the right people so we do several workshops together with the hiring manager to understand okay what are the need what is the skill that we need for the role and what the role itself it looks like so that's how we do it and that is our process but we feel like but i really want to know that how you guys do it because i'm pretty sure that you will have different stages or a different way of seeing the whole recruitment process so yeah i would love to hear from you awesome i would like to start with uh, matea matea i don't know how how do, how do you handle it? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think it's really important to challenge each other, uh, especially as Aisha, as you said, very early on in, in the process, even when putting out uh, an ad to see what kind of competence do we really need. So something that we're looking at Chief Rebel is, of course, competence, but also a culture add-on. So um, a culture fit is of course good, but we're looking for somebody to add to our culture and not to duplicate ourselves. So that's why we're very often talking about add-ons. And so if, for example, if we're looking for somebody more senior, but we find somebody junior, can we make a shift in the project or in the team um, so that we can hire the more junior person instead, if that is a great uh, Bit. And something that we're uh, doing at Chief Rebel is that we don't have levels. So we don't have junior programmer, senior programmer, for example, everyone is a programmer. And just because to have this mindset, uh, for example, like every person has something to add to a project or to a team, and it might even shift throughout different projects and teams. So it's easier to look at the individual than to look at, okay, so then we have this little square, this is that senior programmer and they can do this and this and this, but more of like, look at their competences and look at the person as a whole. And um, so that's something um, that we're doing. Nice. Awesome. Let's take that to Alex. What are your thoughts, Alex? Yeah, I guess it first, it really depends on the size of the company, I guess. Uh, I'm also saying this, I guess, from my previous experience as well, because I work with various clients from various parts of the world uh, before when I was working within the agency. Uh, and now at Fetchwork, uh, it's, of course, different. We are now a much bigger company than we were before. So we start super small. Um, and I'm saying this because uh, we started actually how, how Matej, what she's saying, like not having levels, uh, talking to each other, challenging each other. That was more of a thing, uh, I guess, in the past of Fetchark, like when we were smaller studio and when things could be much more uh, flexible, maybe. But since we still want to be more... We still want to stay flexible, but things are changing. We are hitting 200 people, almost having 200 people. So we need to put some processes in place and we need to be more structured and we need to do things differently than we did in the past. So that's something that uh, we've been um, yeah, having, I guess, challenges uh, with, I guess. Uh, but regarding the recruitment process and how we go about, it's quite similar to um, how 
all of the others are doing. I'm talking to hiring managers constantly. I'm obviously having different meetings with them and not only them, with the whole team. So usually I ask the whole team, like, how do they feel about having a new person joining them? Of course, the producer will be like, okay, we need someone to help us out, of course. But the team also needs to be on the same page. They all together need to understand the need for it and to see who will be the best fit there. Um, and as Matthias said, yes, cultural fit is super important. But then again, you know, sometimes it's not the same person. Like you need to challenge each other, as she said. So it is tricky, but most of our processes, what I try to do is set clear expectations from the start. So I'm usually recruiting. I mean, my uh, primary role is talent acquisition specialist. So from the beginning, when I have the first interview with the candidate, setting the right expectations, telling them everything about us, including our struggles, because I feel like if you are transparent from the start and honest with them, they will know what they can expect. And they can also understand if they're the right person for you or not. Like even by the end of the conversation, maybe you will together come to, to an agreement like, oh, actually this is not what I was looking for. And I would be like, oh yeah, maybe you're not, but it's super great that we managed to talk to each other. Maybe in the future we can collaborate and I will tr even try to maybe refer them to some someone else or some, some other company. Like, why don't you try, you know, applying, I don't know, for Avalanche because they're a bigger studio, they have exactly what you need. So maybe you will, it will work out there. So uh, that's at least how I see it. And um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I'm answering the question. Maybe I, I got too wide. Sorry. <laughs> it's just something that inspired me and I wanted to mention. But uh, but yeah, and I will leave something to Therese as well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really like the idea of kind of letting the candidates self-filter themselves. Uh, we do that a lot, at least at Evolution, trying to, trying to understand what would you like to work on? What don't you like working on? before we even kind of get into the details of the project. And then by the end of it, they're like, oh, I want to work at something like this. And then, like you said, you give them the recommendation and then everyone's kind of happy because we had the honest conversation. We're not wasting anyone's time, including theirs or ours. Uh, Therese, let's move on to you. What, what is your idea of kind of collaborating with different stakeholders? Because it's obviously a bigger question. There's so many kind of thing, ways to tackle it, but I'll leave it to you. Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, I love the culture add-on thought that you said, Matea. Uh, that's really great because I think you can learn a trade, but you can't learn a personality. And if you, you know, you need great culture and have the culture add on. It's really fantastic. Uh, but the thing is, for me, being in a new uh, new industry, I'm not always sure what it is that we're looking for. I don't always even understand uh, the role. Uh, so. I've been talking a lot to all of my colleagues and especially the ones who have been who's more experienced from the industry. So writing the requirement specifications and ads and everything, it's gotten me to get really close to some of the people that I'm working with because they know all these things. They've been doing it for so long and asking different people that come from different companies as well has been really good because then I can see that mm -hmm, they come from a AAA studio. This one comes from a smaller studio. They have different requirements. They think in different ways. And me coming from the outside also brings different aspects into it. So I think what the question is so important because doing this as a collaboration with other people in the company makes for the best ads, the best finding new people who are we looking for and so i think that's that's really really important 
uh, one of the things that we're thinking a lot about is how do we get more diverse? Where do we find the people that we're looking for? There are women out there. Where are they? How can we find them? There are non-binary people. Where where can we find them? Trying to collaborate. We collaborate with Donna, uh, it's a Swedish network, trying to get more women into the industry. Different kinds of ways to find these people. Uh, and I think that's important as well. And we're using networks for that as well. So I think it's so important that it's not only an HR question, that it's a question for the entire company, because we're all in need of new talent and we all need to find these great new people that we want to have with us. So, yeah, that, that's yeah, I think I'm done there. Awesome. Um, I want to bring that to Alex, uh, just raising her hand. What are you thinking? Yeah, sorry. What you mentioned there, uh, it, it's really yeah, it's really important, uh, and I and I again wanted to say that it really like the whole recruitment process. It depends a lot on the company uh, values, of course, and and culture, but also size of the company, the projects they're working on. Like everything is so different. Like you, if you have a studio of like twenty people and then studio of a thousand, like it's not the same at all. It's like completely different. Maybe it's not like in, in the same field as well. It feels more closer maybe to another field than it is maybe gaming. So it, it's really important to understand what you're looking for, as all of you mentioned. Uh, also to add that some roles are not the same, even within the same industry and with similar companies, which is also mind blowing sometimes. And you're like, but you have this like in your CV and when you try to explain me like that's not the role we're looking for or this is not the same thing so like for example producer like everyone will tell you producers are not the same like in one company and then in another it can mean completely different thing it can be project manager it can be product owner it can be craft manager it can be so many different things Pe person who's leading the project or maybe leading part of the project or so it's really it's really important to sit down with everyone talk about it, like everything that we already mentioned, of course. But this is also something that I'm constantly reminding uh, different candidates when I'm trying to give them advice on how to look for a job. I'm always telling them, research the company, try to understand their needs, try to understand, are they a bigger studio, smaller studio, what they work on, is this something for you or not, and then apply, like tailor your CV and whatnot. So, yeah, I just wanted to add that. Yeah, sorry. No. Don't apologize. Oh, good. I liked it a lot. Um, I want to give opportunity to Aisha to kind of uh, give her a take. Um, what are you thinking, Aisha? Oh, my God. I am just all inspired by all of your suggestions and this discussion that is just absolutely awesome. And of course, Alex, I can't agree with you anymore. I mean, the points you said that is something that we are experiencing every day that not the role are same for every company and not like it it might sound like same but the descriptions and the responsibilities are never same and i would say that's a challenge and also a beauty of this industry like to find this talented creative people out of the market so yeah and uh, i absolutely agree with the cultural fit thing and i'm glad that we really have this one in our process because we do have a value-based interview actually where we talk about our values we introduce our values and we do check in with some follow-up questions with that to you know just to see the personality okay how this person is or whether the person has the same value like us or not 
So yeah, I would say that this is an absolute uh, initial need and essential need for a recruitment course. So I, I took all my notes from you, of course, and we will I will definitely share this takeaway with my team as well to look further on the process if we can develop or add on something extra. Thank you very much. Awesome. Uh, guys, I have a bit of a question because uh, in my line of work uh, as a kind of um, kind of consultant i'm obviously bringing uni developers uh, that's kind of what i do and one thing i find when i look at completely different companies is the interview process is as different as kind of each company like some interview processes we're talking one step interview because they just want the person in right now other room there's a three-step interview and maybe a code review on a technical test if they you know tickle their fancy uh, i'm wondering do you have a set interview process do you kind of adjust it depending is your interview process include like a colleague just to kind of check that culture fit like how do you check all the things you do without making it so such a long process kind of for everyone involved without losing a candidate if anyone wants to take that uh kind of what is your interview process i might single someone out uh Matea, what are you thinking in terms of like your interview process so definitely we we've grown a little bit and uh, i think when we started out, we were a little bit more flexible. It was more like, who does this person need to know? We could even take it on a candidate basis sometimes. It takes a lot of time, but then we had a very good uh, pipeline. Now we have a more set process and more uh, definitely that we have a meet, meet the team by then so that the team can meet the candidate, but also for the candidate to meet the team. Uh, sometimes a candidate can go through the whole pipeline and only meet the recruiter and the manager. And you don't really get a feeling for the company or for the organization until you meet the team. I think so at least. Uh, so that's uh, a way for them to, to get to know us a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I think a set pipeline also makes it a little bit more quicker, a little bit more efficient, and also helps uh, the candidate to know, okay, so what steps do we have ahead of us? What do you think, Aisha? So yeah, so that's a very good question, Harry, because this one is tricky, because uh, in order to ensure a really good candidate experience, you really need to shorten the process. I mean, if you keep a candidate waiting for two months, then automatically the, oh, this is the candidate market, guys. So they are not going to wait for you like for two months, they will grab another opportunity. So eventually you are losing a talent. So with that said, it's really important that you set a proper process which doesn't take longer time than usual. At least I would say one month would be ideal because here you always need to see the challenges as well because the people who will do the interview you need to get their spots as well which is tricky so you know it's it's like uh, making a balance together but of course uh, i would say that for the ta or the recruitment team it should be the utmost priority to ensure the best candidate experience and also it's better to give a constructive feedback at the end as well if the candidate made it through to the end but still we couldn't hire them there are like different occasions happen that the business need has been changed or maybe you need to pause the recruitment you won't be able to hire now so there are some changes always happens within recruitment so you know it is important even though you cannot hire a person you made a really good conclusion and you keep on touch because this is a this is a world of LinkedIn so you can be connected anyway so yeah no I'd 100% second that uh one short thing I'd say is 
kind of a couple weeks. Obviously, with permanent, it's a bit different because I'm only doing contract. Uh, but yeah, the shorter, the better, because there's some people who literally just won't go through three weeks. Maybe they're just going to be picked up uh, before that. So if you have a shit hot candidate, you you might want to have that kind of two week process just in case. Otherwise, you won't be able to get them. Uh, Alex, you have something to say? Yeah. To add to that, I wanted to say that that's why you should discuss priorities with your managers and everything. Like sometimes all, everyone is like, eh, we need this one or that one or they need everything, you know, at the beginning. But after a while, you actually realize you actually don't really need this person that urgent, but uh, you've been pushing me around <laughs> to start the process and everything. So first set everything straight with your managers and with everyone in-house then you know what to tell candidates and how to take your processes. And you can always be honest with them and transparent and telling them, okay, we had, I don't know, maybe my manager is on vacation. I will tell you that. I will tell you, sorry, this person is on vacation. Maybe you will wait a bit more, but also try, I will try to organize it that way. So that manager is available, of course. So try to make everything yeah, as smooth as possible. And I would even add that maybe onboarding process starts actually from the moment you start the contact with that candidate, even though they are still only candidate and not really your employee. But if they have really good and smooth uh, recruitment process, they will value you more. And when they start working with you, they will uh, already respect you, appreciate you, and they will know how much you tried over them and how much you supported them. And they will feel more comfortable later on when others problem, other problems arise, like stress, work-life balance, everything we talked about, those people will come to you first after a while when they become your employees. So, yeah. No, 100%. I'd second that. Uh, evolution, my kind of onboarding experience was very nice it was kind of like uh, it makes you feel as comfortable as possible and then when you're having that kind of one-to-ones later it's natural uh, i feel like first impressions matter if you have a first impression and it's very strict and it's like oh tell us why you're amazing for us uh that might stay for the rest of kind of the employee experience so 100 percent awesome i think we'll leave on that note guys uh thank you everyone uh, for joining i would like to thank matea therese alexandra and aisha for providing their insights on today's podcast thank you everyone for listening uh, if you're if you're a hiring manager or if you're in hr anyone in the gaming industry and you want to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts or even just want to chat just reach out to me on linkedin at harry foku foku is spelled p-h-o-k-o-u thank you everyone for listening